Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Dr. Patrick Ford. I'm a medical oncologist in the Thoracic Oncology Group at Johns Hopkins, and I'm delighted today to join with um, Dr. Charu Agrawal, a medical oncologist at the University of Pennsylvania, to discuss some of the recent data from the World Conference on Lung Cancer in Singapore. Um, some exciting data became available. Uh, first of all, I'd ask Dr. Agrawal to introduce herself and perhaps um, give some brief thoughts on the conference as a whole. Thank you, Dr. Ford. I'm Charu Agarwal. I'm the Leslie Heisler Associate Professor for Lung Cancer Excellence at the University of Pennsylvania. It's a pleasure to be here to discuss some recent updates. I think it was a really good conference, a lot of data being presented both in targeted therapies as well as immunotherapy with a special focus on early stage lung cancer. And I, and I look forward to reviewing this with you. Excellent. Well, uh, just to dive right in, um, what we saw in this um, conference really was some of uh, some new data. We've had multiple approvals in early stage lung cancer for immunotherapy. First of all, in the adjuvant setting with the approval of atezolizumab now several years ago, and also more recently, the approval of adjuvant pembrolizumab. But the last year and a half or so has really been focused on the neoadjuvant setting. And we're starting to see some novel studies in this setting. One of those trials was a Swiss trial called SAK, S-A-K-K, 1618. And this was a study looking at the incorporation of chemotherapy plus immunotherapy, in this case, vetrovalumab, along with immunomodulatory radiation. So lower dose radiation than normal to the primary tumor. This builds on work done by Dr. Al Torki and colleagues um, in New York, which looked at subablative radiation combined with Dervalumab and, and suggested encouraging results. In this trial, SACS uh, 1618, um, the main endpoints were really looking at the, at the number of patients who got to surgery, uh, was the treatment safe, and also what the pathologic response rates were. Uh, so in this study, um, over 80% of patients uh, were able to receive definitive surgery. This lines up well with the data we've seen from phase three trials of chemo-IO. So it doesn't suggest that radiation at least um, uh, reduces the risk of getting the surgery. And um, the results in terms of pathologic response, perhaps similar pathological complete response rates to what we've seen with chemo-IO. However, somewhat higher major pathological response rates um, in the 70 to 80% range. And I think and that's an interesting finding. Perhaps we're seeing some... Uh, some increase in those patients who don't achieve a PCR, but have a good pathologic response. Um, Charu, had you had uh, further thoughts on this study? So I think, uh, as you said, Patrick, um, very feasible. There were different arms being evaluated with different radiation schema. Um, you know, it seemed like it was very feasible to integrate it. But again, I think very small numbers, and we need to see this in a larger population. Often with these small studies, the patients are quite selected. Uh, so, you know, I think how do we apply this to other patients as well as larger centers or even smaller centers that may not have the expertise to deliver these radiation therapy techniques? Yes, I I agree completely. It'll be interesting to see how this concept of, of lower dose radiation 
a radiation in early stage lung cancer perhaps being immunomodulatory uh, pans out. And I think we're going to see more and more studies in this setting. Moving on to a study called INCREASE. And this um, study looked at uh, performing surgery for early stage lung cancer after standard dose chemo uh, with immunotherapy and radiation. Um, and I think here we did see perhaps some signal, again, a single arm study, so not definitive in any way, but very high pathological complete response rates of about 60%. But the flip side of that is we also saw very high rates of toxicity. Grade three, four toxicity rate was um, 73%. And that's roughly double what we expect with chemo immunotherapy alone in this setting. Um, Charu, any thoughts on, on this trial? Um, the potential incorporation of radiation with standard chemo IO in the neoadjuvant setting? I think the PAT-CR rates look incredible here. And I think if we can continue to move up the needle on PAT-CR rates, that's what we all want because it ultimately translates potentially to cure. Uh, but again, I think early signal safety is uh, important and we need to look at uh, larger data. Exactly. And and I think one of the bigger questions in the long term is whether a uh, a pathologic complete response from radiation is going to mean the same thing as one from systemic therapy alone. And I think uh, that's something we, we will only find out with more and more of these trials. Moving on to, to one of the adjuvant trials, uh, the major studies recently where we had an update on um, looking at some of the translational signs, in this case, Empire 010. This was the trial which led to the approval of, of adjuvant tezolizumab after adjuvant chemotherapy for PDL1 1% or above um, a resective non-small cell lung cancer. And this study presented at the World Conference on Lung Cancer looked at whether um, tumor mutational burden, which we've looked at a lot in advanced lung cancer, could influence both the prognosis, but also the benefit from, um, from adjuvant atezolizumab. The results from this analysis essentially suggested that um, those patients who had who had higher rates of TMB, higher numbers of mutations in their tumor, had prolonged disease-free survival. But there was benefit seen from atezolizumab in both high and low TMB. And some of the context here is that in some of the other trials, in particular um, Checkmate H16, which was a neoadjuvant trial, um, TMB didn't appear to influence um, neoadjuvant um, immunotherapy to a dramatic degree. Perhaps we're seeing here a prognostic impact but again, benefit for both high and low TMB. Uh, what were your thoughts on this, Sharon? Not surprising at first glance. You know, we would expect that patients with um, higher TMB or TMB high would have improved median DFS. Uh, this is sort of very similar to what we would expect from the metastatic setting. And I think we will begin to select patients based on pdl one level, but also potentially smoking history as a rough surrogate of TMB in clinic. Um, most of our uh, NGS reports have TMB on them. Uh, so I do think that this will become sort of like a surrogate marker of increased response. And I agree with your um, with your um, ob observation that these may not be that important in the neoadjuvant setting when we're administering them, especially with chemotherapy, as we've seen responses even in pdl one negative patients. But I think as we think about delivering immunotherapy in the absence of tumor in situ, I think it's important to think about overall TMB as well as pdl one and smoking history. Perfect. Yeah, a great summary. Moving um well, actually, sticking with the the uh, the perioperative setting for stage two and three um, non-small cell lung cancer, and we did have 
an update on the surgical outcomes from the Aegean trial. Um, this was a study presented at um, the AACR meeting earlier this year by Dr. Hamak, looking at neoadjuvant chemo plus dravalumab followed by adjuvant dravalumab um, versus chemo alone in the neoadjuvant setting. That showed a significant benefit from dravalumab um, addition in terms of event-free survival. And um, the update at World Conference on Lung Cancer looked at the surgical outcomes. And in general, um, at least in my um, view on um, the Aegean surgical outcomes, they appear similar to Checkmate H16 in some ways and that there didn't appear to be any real decrement from adding um, dervalumab in a new adjuvant setting. Patients did at least as well uh, with chemo dervalumab versus chemo. Um, there was a second presentation looking at the um, the role of dervalumab in the neoadjuvant setting for patients with EGFR mutated lung cancer. And this is one of the, or, or it is the first real subgroup analysis looking at this population. And it doesn't appear as if there's a significant benefit for those patients with EGFR mutated lung cancer from neoadjuvant chemo uh, with anti pdl one in this case. So, Two findings which we might have expected really from prior data, but I think um, the more data we can glean in this setting, um, the more helpful it'll be. Um, any further thoughts on that, on, on those two presentations, Cherry? No, I think further refines our thinking of this trial and how we will incorporate this into our clinical practice. I think molecular testing is going to continue to be key in early stage setting to personalize therapy. I agree. And I think um, it's important, especially in the new adjuvant setting, to keep in mind that Really, it, so we don't have a strong indication at present for for neoadjuvant chemoimmunotherapy for patients with EGFR mutated lung cancer, whereas we do have a strong indication in the adjuvant setting for for adjuvant dosimertin. And finally, moving on to 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 stage one disease. Now, all of these developments, really, with chemo IO and IO in the perioperative setting, have focused on. Um, either larger tumors or node-positive disease, so stage 2 and stage 3A. But there was a study presented at the World Conference on Lung Cancer looking at the incorporation of um, SABRE, so um, stereotactic uh, body radiation for stage 1 or, or very early stage lung cancers incorporated with um, immunotherapy. And this was showed encouraging results. It was a, a randomized study looking at um, this incorporation of, of immunotherapy showing that at two years, event-free survival was about 77% in those patients who had immunotherapy versus 53% in those who did not. And I think we should keep in mind that even early stage lung cancer still have a relatively high rate of relapse, about 20% or so or more. And I think this is a kind of a key, a key finding here as well. Any further thoughts on that, um, Dr. Agarwal? I think a phase three randomized study is potentially needed to establish this as a standard of care. These studies take a long time to accrue, but I think are so essential in um, our understanding and delivery of care for these patients. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.